0: And welcome to Worst Best Sellers, where we read about chickens and bunnies and bears, oh my, so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read Five Nights at Freddy's, Colin, The Silver Eyes, by Kira Breed Risley and Scott Coffin. Joining us to discuss this scarily good video game tie-in novel is Rebecca Mahoney, a YA writer and the co-creator of the independent audio drama, The Bridge Podcast. Hi! Thanks so much for having me. Hi. All right, so this, uh, as as I stated, it's a tie-in novel to the video game series Five Nights at Freddy's, which I am familiar with mainly because it keeps making children scream inside the library and I've never played it and I never will play it and you cannot make me play it um (laughs) but it is if you're not familiar with the concept at all congratulations because it's pretty popular um you've avoided it it's the premise is basically you're the security guard at freddy fazbear's pizza which is like chuck e cheeses with an animatronic band of animals but at night they come alive and try to attack you and so the game is full of like jump scares where the animals jump out at you and make the children scream at the library and that again that's like what i know about it and so when we we knew there were books based on this video game series. And we kind of just thought, like, okay, like, books based on that premise, they're probably kind of shitty. That seems like our brand, especially when we're looking for, like, spooky Halloween books. Let's just let's just read one of those. Right? And then Kate texted me. She was like, hey, this Five Nights at Freddy's book is kind of good. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh cage is like scary stuff she's just like happy that i'm not making her read like straight romance books she's just like this is only good by comparison but it can't be like actually good and then i started reading it and it it was like an intellectual jump scare i was like oh my god it's good what
1: i read it in one sitting granted i was on a plane but you know, it was an American Airlines flight fairly late at night, and it's difficult to make those comfortable, but I enjoyed the entire thing.
0: I didn't like it, because I don't like scary things, but I, <laughs> I thought it was good, <laughs> and I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> it's
1: an important distinction.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was I was very surprised. I had started it, and I was kind of like, whatever, like, I can rush through this if I have to. And whenever I start a book for the podcast, I I shouldn't start things like this even for the podcast, but I do. I was kind of like looking for reasons why it was bad, like looking for, you know, terrible cliches or terrible, just like bad writing. And I walked all the way because I had been finishing up a podcast episode. So I turned it on right as I got off the tee And then from there, I have like a 10-minute walk to my office. So I was listening to probably about the first 15 minutes because I listened to audiobooks on Mm 1.25. And I kept looking for like the first thing that would make me roll my eyes. And instead, like I got really pulled in. And by the time I got to my office, I forgot I was looking for ways that it was bad.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I I mean, it was good, but it was confusing. And I knew that it was... Of course, a tie-in to a game that, as stated, I have never played and I never will play. So I was like, "Well, I, I you know, I know enough about what the game is about that I've, I, I thought I knew." And then, um, well, well, so the book starts. It's narrated by this girl named Charlie, and she's returning to her hometown for the first time in ten years, and it, she's going there for a memorial service. And it's it's clear, you know, that there was an incident that she's not talking about. She doesn't want to talk about the incident, and so I was like, oh, I you know, probably it's this attack at at the Freddy's, like that's in the game, I guess, and I, it is that, but also not that.
1: Yeah,
2: it was <laughs> one of the things that did surprise me about it is that it was. I mean, I guess it's like technically like historical fiction now, (laughs) but it takes place in the mid 90s. Yes. um, And I guess
0: the game does too. After I read the book, I went down an upsetting (laughs) spiral of just like reading Wikipedia pages and like game walkthroughs of the Five Nights at Freddy's games. And so the games also are set in the late 80s and early
2: 90s. Yeah, which makes sense, because I do feel like when we were kids, the, like, mid-90s, early 90s to mid-90s, I do feel like that was, like, peak Chuck E. Cheese
1: showbiz pizza time. Chuck E. Cheese was absolutely the millennial childhood experience. Even if you didn't go there, it was always kind of lurking in the shadows.
2: Yes. (laughs) So yeah, so it it takes place in the 90s. Uh, Charlie, the other thing that you can tell about Charlie right away is she is returning to her childhood home. And something happened, in addition to whatever memorial service she's here for, something happened at her childhood home with her father that she doesn't want to think about. And as she's entering the house she's thinking about the last time she was there when her aunt like whisked her inside, told her to pack a bag, told her they would be back soon and then took her away. And she's not been back since. So there's a lot of like very heavy foreshadowing right at the start. Um, And then I do
0: want to say, since I've gone on this wiki spiral, this is just sort of foreshadowing of the book itself. It, almost entirely is not based in the game itself. Like Charlie is not in the games at all. And neither. Well, one of, one of these kids is, I guess most of these kids are not in the games at all.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The games, as far as I can tell, because I, I have watched a great deal of five nights of Freddy's let's plays. Cause my starter reflex is hair trigger, but I enjoy watching the games and I enjoy the story. Um, so I can tell that the games later on looped back around to include the book content but uh, they created this pretty much uh, with nods to the game's lore, but it's more or less original.
0: But I, And I should say, Scott Cawthon, who's the co-writer, is also the guy who created and wrote the games. And before I forget, I want to drop in my favorite fact that I learned on my Wikipedia spirals, <laughs> which is that the reason Five Nights at Freddy's came about is because the an earlier game that he made... Was, I had to look up the name of it. It was like a family friendly, cute animal game. He meant it to be, but all the feedback he got was like, these animals are creepy. And like, you know, I don't think you meant for this game to be so creepy. And he was like, oh, here it is. I'm just going to read this because it's incredible. The idea for Five Nights at Freddy's stems from negative reception towards Scott Cawthon's previous game, the family-friendly Chipper and Sons Lumber Company, as players commented (laughs) that the main character, a young beaver, looked like a scary animatronic animal, with reviewer Jim Sterling calling the game unintentionally terrifying. Although initially discouraged by the comments, Cawthon who had previously mainly developed christian oriented games eventually used it to inspire himself to make something intentionally scarier
1: spite like, is a great motivator
0: it's incredible like he <laughs> has he has taken that and just made made gold out of it or or silver eyes if you will hey
1: <laughs>
0: like anyway that's hilarious to me uh so anyway that's that's what the games came from is his his too scary family game turned into this, and this trilogy of books in fact which, which we only read the first one,
2: yes, and you know i I think I might read the other two honestly, yeah, <laughs> but sort of so let's uh we'll do we'll tell you what the book's about yeah, um it's about so we've got yes, uh, so we've got Charlie, she's back in town for this memorial service. And it is a memorial service for one of her childhood friends. Michael. Uh, and she, Michael, yep. And she meets up with her other childhood friends at a local diner. And you can tell, you learn pretty quickly that Michael disappeared from Freddie Fazbear's restaurant, which, as we said, is like a Chuck E. Cheese type place. And that, uh, I tried to call her a different name, Charlie's father- <laughs> was the creator of the animatronic creatures at the Freddy Fazbear restaurant.
0: Yeah. So when they were kids, all these kids hung out there all the time. It was like, you know, like their hangout. Yes.
2: Um. And like, especially her, her like close band of friends. So she is, has like a, a whole, there's a whole other level to her like weirdness being back for this. But she meets up with her friends, Jessica, John, and Carlton. Carlton is the only person who still lives in town. Jessica lives in New York. John lives somewhere else. Mm -hmm.
0: And they Mm. all comment on how that's weird because no one ever leaves their town. Like people just are from there and they stay there. But they are all kind of traumatized. So their families uh, got out of town for
2: various reasons. And they all, none of them have seen each other. Like, they, there's some reference to them writing each other letters. Mm-hmm. One of the other friends is Marla,
0: and Marla came to visit one time. Yes. Yes.
1: Marla is the frequent letter writer.
0: Yes. Marla has a younger brother as well who's tagging along with them, um, although he was too young to have been part of their original crew of friends.
2: Yeah, so so the first night, it's just the, the four of them, and they decide that they want to go look at, after they have dinner and they uh, talk a little bit about their memories of that time, they decide they want to have, go have a look at the place where the Freddy's restaurant was. And when they drive up, at first they can't find it. Like it's not there. So they assume it's been torn down. Uh, and instead they decide to go kind of like nose through the abandoned shopping mall that had been built right near it. And once they get inside the mall, uh, while they're running away from a security guard, they realize that Freddy's hasn't been torn down. They built the mall around it. So you can still get into it through a doorway that's kind of like hidden in the walls of one of the unfinished department stores. And they're, you know, they're fucking teenagers who (laughs) have like these weird memories of this place. They decide to go inside and... Uh, The power is all still hooked up, so they're able to turn on the lights and make the animatronics move and it's, like, kind of weird and creepy and they fuck around for a little while and then decide to leave. Also, I want to
0: interject that I love that the the way they figured it out is their friend Jessica, like, Charlie goes through this whole unpacking her own internalized misogyny journey with Jessica because Jessica is, like, really beautiful and charlie feels like self-conscious and like she won't have anything in common with jessica anymore because like no she's a pretty cool girl but then jessica is also like very smart and she wants to be an archaeologist and so she like studies the walls and like she's the one who kind of does the math and figures out where like what must have happened and where the door must be and it's great and i love jessica
1: i was about to say the same thing it's just such a great character note for her and my fear at the beginning when we were meeting all these characters was this was going to be one of my least favorite genres of horror which is a bunch of disposable teens with one final girl gathered together to go into a haunted place and all get picked off one by one but actually right, they do a... Charlie
0: is like a pretty like classic final girl
1: exactly but they do such a good job at making everybody um, endearing and at least distinctive in their own way Did not expect.
2: So the next day, uh, they meet up with Marla and her younger brother Jason, and uh, uh, fucking what's the other kid's name? Lamar. Lamar.
1: Lamar. An anagram of Marla. Oh yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And so
0: obviously they're destined to be together. Exactly. Uh, So they they tell them about they're like oh we did this cool thing we snuck into Freddy's and the new kids are like what the fuck we want to go to, and they're like, okay.
2: <laughs> and they first they go to the memorial service that they're all there for, which is oh, their friend right. Michael, who disappeared uh, when they were kids and was killed, um, and his parents are starting a scholarship in his name. And while they're at this ceremony, there was... And this is, like, I fucking love a book that I can't guess the ending to. And I did... Eventually I guessed... I figured out what this one was but at the beginning there's a part where michael's parents say oh and the other and of course all the other children who disappeared as well and charlie has a thought that's like oh like she was so obsessed with michael's disappearance when she was little because he was her friend that she forgot that other kids disappeared too and i legit thought at that point i was like oh they're all dead all of the, the kids that we've met so far, they're all dead and they're going to solve their own murder. Like, that's going to be the twist, is that they're dead the whole time. Oh. Uh, Ooh. And I thought that for a while until I started tracking who... Because up to that point, we've only really seen them talking to each other. Oh. And Ooh. even when Michael's parents are there, except for Carlton like there's not really a concrete mention of any of them talking to Michael's parents just this vague like we all said hi to Michael's parents and stuff like that um but then eventually they we see them talking to a cop later on and at that point I was like oh okay well he's talking directly to multiple of these kids so clearly this is that was the wrong way for me to go that
1: would have been but cool though
0: it would that have been, been cool, cool. But I'm glad they're alive because I like them. I
1: like them yes. too. I hope for only good things for them.
2: <laughs> um. So so simultaneous to all of these revelations about the murders, um, Charlie has been having these weird thoughts and flashes of memory from her own childhood, um, which she first notices when she's describing the Freddy bear to her friends, and she says she remembers the fur being yellow. And they're all like, his fur was brown, though. And she's like, oh, I must, my memory must be bad. But she's got a really strong memory of the yellow fur. And she thinks that there's something else going on. She has these, like, memories of a different restaurant. So with John's help, she kind of backtracks based on her memory. And they discover a restaurant that had existed prior to Freddy's when Charlie was only a little girl. Uh, that her father had also created and also had some um, animatronic animals at it. And it was closed down after the twin brother that Charlie forgot she had was kidnapped from the restaurant and Charlie was with him when it happened.
0: Also, I would like to interject from my Wikipedia findings. The other restaurant is alluded to in the games and that yellow Freddy apparently is like a... An intentional glitch question mark that sometimes pops up in the game and if you get the yellow freddy then it totally like fucks up your game and your game like freezes
1: yes correct and uh typically in the first game when they're about to come into your office there's uh sort of a lead up to that where you watch them on the cameras coming towards you when you trigger uh it's called golden freddy in the game uh he just sort of appears in front of you and vanishes and crashes your game
0: i'm i'm honestly so scared just talking about
1: <laughs> <this>. <laughs> so as somebody familiar with that as soon as charlie mentioned yellow fur i was like oh shit here it goes
2: <laughs> um so she's got all of this like knowledge now she doesn't want to share it with everyone else yet she she and John John was basically her best friend when she was a kid uh, and she had a crush on him and vice versa and like that is kind of like an undercurrent in their current interactions as well uh, but there's no real like romance in the book to speak of just these kind of illusions of like who has a crush on who
1: yeah yeah. there's a lot of crush tension Now it's not as it even rise to sexual tension yeah, it's, it's very low level. So,
2: with this knowledge of this other restaurant that had existed, and like her brother's possible disappearance, they decide to go back to the first to go back to the Freddy Fazbear's again with the other kids who they weren't with the first time to go and, and kick around inside again. And this time, when they go, the security guard they kind of barely. Manage to escape the first night, he catches them in the act and he says, like, well, I always wanted to, like, go inside this place, so I won't tell on you kids if you, like, let me go in with you. And they're like, fuck it, okay. Like, fine, whatever. So they show him how they got in and they all go in and... He asks for a turn, you t- controlling the animatronic. Because, much like Chuck E. Cheese, if you're unfamiliar, if you're too young or too old for Chuck E. Cheese, uh, and you're or you just grew up in an area where there were no Chuck E. Cheese's, there is like Chuck E. Cheese has a house band of animatronic creatures that all like play instruments on a stage, mm-hmm. and similar to that, um, Freddy and Chica, the bird, and Bonnie the rabbit, uh, are all on stage and they like dance around and they have all these actions and in the control room they figure out how to make them move, but they're very jerky, they're not very good at it. But when Dave goes up to the controls, he controls them like very fluidly and makes them like start dancing. And when they say, like, how did you do that? He's just like, Oh, beginner's luck, I guess. Ha ha. Weird. Whatever.
1: The scariest part was how uncomfortable Dave was. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> From, I'm not good at like guessing twists or anything like that in books, mostly because I'm just scared and I just want to get through this. But I immediately was like, Dave's fucking bad news. <laughs> and guess what? I was correct. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so, like, things start going kind of crazy inside the restaurant. Like, the lights are flashing, the animatronics. Have kind of gone off the rails and they're moving very quickly. All sorts of like bizarre things are happening. So they decide they need to leave immediately. And while in the rush to leave, Jason, the little brother, sees a yellow rabbit grab Carlton and pull him away. So once they get out of the restaurant, they realize that Carlton is missing and decide to go and like essentially tell the police like because carlton's father is the chief of police so they're like well we can't keep this a secret like we have to go tell the police yes and jason keeps saying like bonnie took him bonnie the rabbit took him like i saw it i saw it happen and they're like jason you're a dumb kid like that didn't happen you were just scared And, of course, when they go to the police officer, Jason does the same thing, and the police officer is like, fucking whatever, you dumb kids, like...
0: Well, specifically, they're like, Carlton just plays these pranks all the time. Like, you guys don't know Carlton. He's just a little prankster. And they're like, no, but seriously, like, that's fucked up. And he's like, yeah, no,
2: Carlton does real fucked up pranks. Yeah, well, his dad explains that later. Uh Oh. At first, they just go up to a random police officer they find on the street. Oh, right. And he goes back with them. And when they get back to the restaurant and when they were running out, Dave, the security guard disappeared. Right. So when they get back to the restaurant, a chain and a padlock that look very rusty are up around the door that they had been using to come in and out. So the cop is just like, fucking whatever. Like, you're all dumb. Stop playing pranks. This is stupid. And they, like, full-on fucking panic and meltdown. So he's, like, fine. And they say, like, Car- you know, it was Carlton who's missing. And he's, like, okay. So he calls Carlton's dad to come. And when Carlton's dad shows up and they explain to him what happened, he's, like, that's when he says, like, oh, things have changed since you guys were last here. Carlton plays these really dumb pranks now. They're really terrible. They hurt a lot of people you know i agree that this is like really cruel and stupid but i promise you he'll come home tomorrow like mocking you for having pulled one over on you why don't you come back to the house with me uh you know i'll make you some hot chocolate you can stay at our house tonight and then tomorrow like when carlton comes we can all fucking yell at him together
0: yeah and they're like um carlton was the closest of them to michael the kid who uh was kidnapped and killed and so they're like this is the form that his trauma is taking basically
1: yes i appreciate that later at one point charlie rationalizes the fact that they went along with this by saying that she really wanted to believe it because at the time i wanted to yell on this plane full of sleeping passengers (laughs) that they know better than this
0: right well and also i I think it is like while he's the chief of police like they tried i don't know true like, and she also thinks, like, that's what she wanted. She wanted an adult to say it was okay, and she wanted an adult to be in charge. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'll give them this one. Um,
0: but then in, in the morning, the. Uh, tr- carlton's mom comes and she's like why are all these kids here and the dad explains and she's like what the fuck you know you know as many fucked up pranks as our kid does he would never joke about freddy's like he took it so seriously i can't believe you thought it was a prank like we have to go get him right now something has happened horribly
2: he the dad goes to the police uh police station to like send some other cops over and the kids decide that they're going to go to the library because they want to do some research about what happened the last time when all of the kids disappeared because they were only kids themselves and they don't remember a ton about it. So they go to the library Hell yeah. and uh, are taught how to use microfilm. Hell yeah.
0: <laughs> Which, as, as I've discussed in previous episodes, I... I'm not as scared of microfilm as I am of Freddy, but I'm pretty scared of (laughs) 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 microfilm machines just because they're very stressful to use. But I imagine in the 90s librarians were using it more often because they didn't have other options. So probably for me, like I only use the microfilm machine like once every two weeks or something. And so every time like I have to re-remember how to do this and you're staring at me and I hate it. She's probably doing it all the time. And so she loves it. She loves the microfilm. The only thing I didn't love is she is like, oh, yeah, I think maybe I heard about those murders, but, like, if you lived in a town where five children disappeared at Chuck E. Cheese's, you would have a huge folder about that, because people would be coming in all the time to do fucked up research about it. Because <laughs> cause the, ta- the last library I worked at had a gruesome murder in their town, and we would get that <laughs> all the time. And... I'll talk about that later when we when we do our my favorite murderer spinoff podcast. But anyway, that's that's my only quibble, is that that librarian would have known about them murders, even if she's not from there, people would be asking.
1: Found out yeah. on day two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, while
2: Charlie and John are looking at the microfilm, Marla runs in and she says that Jason is missing, and she's freaking out um, because Jason has been very angry that they are not taking him seriously about having seen Bonnie pull Carlton, Carlton away. Carlton from away. From
0: I don't know if this is now or later. We also get little pieces of flashback from Jason's point of view where he sees drawings moving. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah, he's the only one at this point who's actually experienced the goings on in Freddy's. Yes.
2: Um like everyone else has kind of seen like weird like- shit happening, but not but kind of that, like, oh, like, I thought that Freddie was facing the other way when I looked away last time, but now he's facing towards me. Probably I just didn't realize. Right. Like, whereas, like...
0: He's seeing has... things, like, actively move right. in front of
1: his eyes. And he's seeing drawings of a bunny kidnapping a kid, basically.
2: Yeah. Um. So right before they leave, they look up the proper date in the microfilm and they discover a picture of the restaurant opening, or a picture that had been taken at the restaurant opening in an article about Charlie's missing twin brother. And it's her brother, or it's her father and his business partner, who, surprise, is Dave. It's
1: fucking Dave.
2: Yes. Knew that guy was bad news.
1: Nobody saw this so coming. So they rush, you know, <laughs> total surprise.
0: Oh, one other thing I just I want to say real quick in because I thought it was weird at the time but I didn't know why but interspersed with Charlie's flashbacks her one thing that was very clear was that her dad would tell her about the spring locks that were in the costumes and like you have to be so careful you can't touch these costumes because these locks will like snap like a bear trap basically and I was like why are your costumes built that way? That's fucked up. But apparently it's a key part of the game's fucked up mechanic. Mm-hmm. I've said the phrase fucked up so many times. I just can't stop saying it because that's how I feel about all of this. <laughs> anyway, the point is spring locks.
2: And when they had met Dave earlier, they had noticed that he had particular scars all around his neck. Um, that she just kind of noted and moved on so they rush back to freddy's to try and find jason um and in the meantime carlton's father had sent the same cop from the night before back to the restaurant to break in and see if carlton was there and when he did break in he was of course attacked and murdered
0: yeah and we like briefly get that guy's pov including like his final thoughts and like he's clearly dead i didn't like that right
1: (laughs) spoiler alert our only protagonist casualty in this book
2: yeah. yeah. So the they all rush back to the restaurant. Um, they can't find a way in because the door's been welded shut from the outside. Until once again, like we get a, a moment of Jessica trying to go in through the um air vents, which is how we see Jason has gotten in. But she's claustrophobic and she can't. Uh, but they manage to figure out that the roof of Freddy's is not as tall as the roof of the mall. So there Again, must be- because of Jessica's archaeology skills. Yes, Jessica. Yes. So there's got to be a way to get between the two roofs, and they manage to find it, and they find a ladder from the construction site, and they crawl up onto the roof and go in through a skylight. And then it it's, like, a pretty typical, just, like, horror movie. The bad guy's chasing them around, or maybe multiple bad guys. It's hard to tell for the kids. Um, there's a lot of them, like, hiding places. Jason's okay. Charlie finds Carlton, who's been squeezed into a costume with the spring lock opened and warned by Dave, like, if you so much is moving correctly, the spring lock will snap shut across your throat and kill you.
0: It's so scary. And we also learned that that's what happened to Dave, is he got, like, spring locked in a suit but survived, but that's how he has all these scars. And also, I guess, why he's... I don't know if that's why or if that's a side effect of (laughs) him being, like, a terrible kidnap-murderer guy.
2: Yeah. While Carlton is tied up, he sees the yellow Freddy, and he thinks that Michael is in it.
0: Yeah, Michael, his dead friend
2: from forever ago. Yes, and is talking to him. And this is like the one part of the book that I had a little bit of trouble following is kind of all this stuff that happens at the end because they managed to get Carlton free. Charlie goes in, and because her father had taught her how to undo the spring locks, she's able to get Carlton out. Uh, they managed to get like everybody else all together and they get away from Dave and all of the. S- so they, they Dave admits, they tie Dave up at one point. They're able to knock him out and tie him up. And he won't talk to them until they put the yellow rabbit head on his head. And then through the yellow rabbit, he admits to kidnapping and murdering all of these children and hiding them in unused character costumes. And he
0: thinks that they're haunted. And maybe, and is this what you mean? That like, are you, are they haunted or is he delusional?
2: Sort of, yeah, yeah, essentially, because then as they're trying to get away at the end, the the animatronics come off the stage yeah. and kind of stalk towards them and corral them in the middle of the restaurant. And only when the yellow bear, that is the bear, the yellow Freddy, the Freddy that had been at the other restaurant that the costume her father, Charlie's father used to wear at the old restaurant and the one that Carlton claims Michael was in comes over to them and essentially, like, stands in front of them and confronts them and it makes the other animatronics leave them alone.
0: Yeah, they're protecting yeah. them. Oh. Yes. So, um, I f- the So the title of this book is, is The Silver Eyes, and some point in their, like, photography history quest... This is how they realize that like some are part of how there is some of them are animatronics and some of them are people in suits because the animatronics have silver eyes or they're painted eyes. But they see one with red eyes and they realize that it's not that it was red eyes. It's that it was like a human being who got red eye from a photo like you used to get in olden times on like film photos like red eye. So they realize it was that. And so there was a person in some of the suits dot, dot, dot,
2: murder? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so at that point, and there's a whole thing too, which I think was sort of them trying to explain it. And it might be explained more in later books where they assume that because the, the, the creatures, the robots seem to be trying to protect Jason
0: Yeah, because they're, like, the ghosts of children, question mark, and they want to protect other children. And Dave is like, well, you guys are teenagers. You're practically adults. Like, the ghost children will think you're adults, and they don't like adults.
2: Yeah. Um, But then after the Yellow Freddy, or before the Yellow Freddy comes in to protect them, Carlton's father comes in. Oh, yeah. And he sees, like, all of this happen with the animatronics. And instead of pulling an adult, like, oh, well, we were all seeing things, he's like, well, I was fucked up. Like, let's get out of here before those robots come, the ghost robots come and try and kill us again. Like, let's just go. Let's go. So they all go.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it, it ends very abruptly, which makes sense because... It is a it is a trilogy and it you know it ends abruptly and then it's like now turn the page for chapter one of book two of this trilogy which i always think is a garbage bullshit move for trilogies (laughs) to do but a lot of them do it so fucking whatever
2: and then and i now my my memory is fading for these last couple pages um so charlie wants a minute alone with the puppets the uh creatures to say goodbye to them essentially and while she's there, Dave comes up behind her and grabs her.
1: Yes. And then Chekhov's spring then, locks go off. Yes. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, she she triggers the spring locks on Dave's suit, right? Oh, yeah. Yes.
2: And then they leave for realsies and Carlton's dad is like, I will come up with some justification for all this shit happening because no one will ever believe it. Yeah. But like let's go back to my house and get cleaned up and go home. And so they do and that's where the book ends. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was it was very well paced and well plotted, I thought, except for like the end, like the end did come a little quickly, but it is a very typical like the first book in a series kind of setup. End.
1: I'm interested to see where they go from here with the killer dead and everyone sort of going, OK, well, we're going to leave the children at rest now and make sure that nobody disturbs them. Yeah, it was. I, I'm
2: definitely, I think, gonna going to read the next one once I have time to. The next two books that we're doing for the podcast are very long. Um so I think once once I finish those two I will listen to uh, Mackenzie Lou's new book and I will listen to <laughs> The Five Nights at Freddy's number 2 and those two audiobooks are going to get me through the next like literally 40 hours of podcast book listening. It's a
1: great book pairing right there. Yes.
0: I might read a Wikipedia page <laughs> <laughs> during daylight hours only. <laughs> This is my, like, last night I got home and I wanted to, like, finish up my notes and I got on this Wikipedia spiral and then I, like, legit couldn't sleep. I I hate
1: it. (laughs) The games are actually a lot more brutal than the book was.
0: That's what I was, so I, I, like, I've said before I will never play them, but even just, like, reading recaps, like, I wouldn't even watch a video, but just reading the recaps was very upsetting.
1: And, um, you had said... During your Wikipedia spiral, you found out that this was an AU, which just made so much sense to me, because in the game, um, there's this particular incident that they refer to called the Bite of 87, in which uh, the animatronic Foxy apparently went to town on somebody's frontal lobe. And I have to assume that never happened in this AU, because at the beginning of the book, well, when everyone's talking about it so fondly, it's like, ah, yes, my childhood murder pizza, Inc.,
0: they yes, did say the... that the Foxy's Pirate Cove was always out of order the whole time. Mm, that's
1: a good point.
2: And they were all terrified of it, a way that they weren't terrified of the others. Okay. Like, when they come into the restaurant, they have these really fond feelings for Freddy and Bonnie and... Um, Chica. Chica. Yeah, those were on like stage, Chica and Foxy the much.
0: Pirate Fox was always in a separate Pirate's Cove area.
2: And they were all, like, fucking terrified of it to the point where even before Dave the security guard started stalking them, like, they were afraid to move the curtain Mm -hmm. that he was behind. This is
1: a very salient point.
2: So who knows? Maybe we'll find out more in the next (laughs)
1: That's (laughs) true. So,
0: again, uh, I still think this book was good if you like horror, which I don't, but I I think it was good. (laughs) I don't... Yeah, I mean, I do, too. I
1: genuinely enjoyed it.
0: I (laughs) didn't, but again, I I think it was good. Um, Should we move on to our dramatic reading? Yes. Let's Let's do do that. All right, so the first one is from the first time that they sneak into Freddy's, and Kate will be Charlie, who's also the narrator, Becky will be Carlton, and I'll be Jessica.
2: Hi, she whispered too soft for the others to hear before her stood three animatronic animals a bear a rabbit and a chicken all standing as tall as adults maybe taller their bodies were segmented like artists models each limb made of distinct squarish pieces separate at the joints they belonged to the restaurant or maybe the restaurant belonged to them and there had been a time when everyone knew them by name There was bonnie the rabbit his fur was a bright blue his squared off muzzle held a permanent smile and his wide chipped pink eyes were thick-lidded giving him perpetually worn out expression his ears stuck up straight crinkling over at the top and his large feet splayed out for balance he held a red bass guitar blue paws poised to play and around his neck was a bow tie that matched the instrument's fiery color Chica the chicken was more bulky and had an apprehensive look, thick black eyebrows arching over her purple eyes and her beak slightly open, revealing teeth as she held out a cupcake on a platter. The cupcake itself was somewhat disturbing, with eyes set into its pink frosting and teeth hanging out over the cake, a single candle sticking out at top. I always expected
1: the cupcake to jump off the plate. Carlton gave a half-laugh
2: and cautiously stepped up to Charlie's side. They seem taller than I remember. That's because you never got this close as a kid. Charlie smiled, at ease, and stepped closer. You were busy hiding under tables, Jessica said from behind them, still some distance away. Chica wore a bib around her neck with the words, Let's eat, set out in purple and yellow against a confetti-colored background. A tuft of feathers stuck up in the middle of her head standing between bonnie and chica was freddie fazbear himself namesake of the restaurant he was the most genial looking of the three seeming at ease where he was a robust if lean brown bear he smiled down at the audience holding a microphone in one paw sporting a black bow tie and top hat the only incongruity in his features was the color of his eyes a bright blue that surely no bear had ever had before him. His mouth hung open, and his eyes were partially closed, as though he had been frozen in song. Carlton drew closer to the stage until his knees pressed against the rim of it.
1: Hey, Freddy. Long time no see. (sighs) So
0: those are the creepy animals that are gonna murder you. Unless you're smart. Like Charlie. All right, so our next dramatic reading is from everyone's favorite place, the public library, and <laughs> I will be Harriet the librarian, obviously everyone's
1: favorite character.
0: Yep, uh, I am. I hope that she is not in the games because I don't want any harm to ever come to her.
1: No, um, Harriet is far, far away from there. Thank goodness.
0: Becky will be Charlie this time, and Yay. Kate will be John. I'm Harriet,
1: the woman said as she led them to a door at the back of the building. They recited their names dutifully, and she chattered on like a child about to display her favorite toy.
0: So you know what microfilm is, right? It's because we can't keep stacks and stacks of papers here. There's no room, and eventually they would rot, so it's a way to preserve them. They take pictures and save the film. It's almost like a movie reel, you know? Very small, so you need a machine to see it.
2: We
1: know what it is. John cut in when she paused. We just don't know how to use it.
0: Well, that's what I'm here for.
1: Harriet declared and threw the door open. Inside was a table with a computer monitor. The monitor sat on top of a little box with a small wheel on each side. Two handles stuck out in front. Charlie and John looked at it bemusedly, and Harriet grinned.
0: You want the local paper, right? What years?
1: Um, Charlie counted backward. 1979 to 1982, she hazarded. Harriet beamed and left the room. John bent forward to peer at the machine, rattling the handles a little. little. Careful, Charlie warned jokingly. I think she might be lost without that thing. John raised his hands to his shoulders and stepped back. Uh, Harriet reappeared with what looked like four small movie reels and held them up.
0: What year do you want to start with?
1: 1979? I guess, Charlie said, and Harriet nodded. She went to the machine and threaded the film through expertly. She flipped a switch, and the screen came to life. A newspaper appeared.
2: January 1st, 1979.
1: John announced, leading forward to read the headlines.
2: Politics, somebody won a sports game, and there was some weather. Also, there was a bakery giving away free cookies to celebrate the new year. Sounds like now, except no free cookies.
1: You use these to see more. Harriet said, manipulating the controls.
0: Let me know if you need help switching the reels. Have fun, you two. Ugh, God bless you, Harriet. You're doing the <laughs> real work here. <laughs> Harriet's a real one. Ugh. And then, our last dramatic reading is from when shit gets real scary, and Carlton's stuck in a spring lock suit. And I will be Charlie, who knows things about springlocks, and Kate will be poor Carlton.
1: Poor Carlton.
0: Carlton? Charlie said cautiously, as if her voice alone might set off the mechanisms. Yup. He said with the same faltering tone. That costume is going to kill you if you move. Thanks. He wheezed, half attempting a laugh. Charlie forced a smile. Well, today is your lucky day. I'm probably the only person who knows how to get you out of that thing alive. Carlton exhaled a long and shaky breath. Lucky me. Charlie knelt at his side, studying the costume for long moments without touching it. These two springlocks at the neck aren't holding anything back. He just rigged them to snap and pierce your throat if you try to move. I have to undo those first, and then we can open the back of the costume and get you out. But you can't move, Carlton, seriously.
2: Yeah, a serial killer man explained the not moving
0: to me. Charlie nodded and went back to looking at the costume, trying to devise
2: an approach. Do you know who I'm wearing? What? The costume. Do you know what character it was supposed to be?
0: Charlie studied it, then looked around until she saw the matching head. No, not everything he built made it to the stage. Her fingers suddenly stopped working. Carlton. Charlie carefully surveyed the array of costumes and parts that lined the walls in varying stages of complete completion. Carlton, is he in here? With a new sense of dread, Carlton struggled to get a look behind him without moving.
2: I don't know. I don't think so, but I've been kind of in and out.
0: Okay, stop talking. I'll try to work fast. Charlie had the mechanism figured out, or at least she thought she did. Not too fast. Carefully, slowly, she reached into the costume's neck and took hold of the first spring lock, maneuvering it until her fingers were wedged between the lock and Carlton's neck.
2: "'Careful with that artery. I've had
0: it since I was a kid.' "'Shh.' "'When Carlton spoke, Charlie could feel his neck move. "'He was not going to set off the locks by talking, she thought, "'but the feeling of his tendons moving under her hands was unsettling.'
2: "'Okay. Sorry. I talk when I'm nervous.' "'He clamped
0: down his jaw and bit his lips together. "'Charlie reached down farther into the costume's neck and found the trigger.' With a stinging snap, the lock sprang against her hand, so hard that it numbed her fingers. One down, she thought, as she pulled it, harmless, out of the neck of the costume. Okay, and we're ending there. It goes on for, like, several more pages because there's a bunch of those fucking spring locks. It's very tense. Ooh. <sighs> but don't worry, Carlton's fine.
1: <laughs> Everybody's fine.
0: Except that police officer, R.I.P.
1: R.I.P. Officer Dunn? Yes. Hey, oh, cuz he's done. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's move on and play some would you rather's. Would you rather be trapped overnight at Freddy's or put your hand in a bowl of peeled grapes, like scary stories to tell in the dark advises you to do to your friends?
1: I'll go for those grapes. I'll put both hands in the grapes. Oof.
2: I will also put my hands in the grapes, uh, because I, if we're going by the lore of this game, I'm an adult, and I would probably be murdered by those animatronic animals.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a tough call for me, because (laughs) I am, as you might recall, deeply upset by the thought of that bowl of grapes. I really don't like it. But... I mean, this Freddy's business is just honestly next level. I really can't handle it. So I guess I'm going to have to go with the grapes, but I will not like it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. How about would you rather completely forget about your dead sibling like Charlie apparently did or discover your dead sibling was you the entire time the way the titular My Sweet Audrina
2: did?
1: (sighs) I'll forget. I'll take the coward's way out. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I'd also forget because, like, Charlie, you know, she was so young when it happened. And she does eventually, like, get those memories back when she's older and she moves past the trauma and works through it. Whereas, like, all the fucking trauma going on with Audrina, that was next fucking level. (laughs) That's true.
0: Nobody actually died... Well, think people did die, but Audrina didn't actually have a dead sibling, so that's sort of positive. But the rest of it sucks. Mm. Um, but I, I guess maybe maybe just to be different, I'll I'll choose to be my own dead sibling. Yeah.
1: Thanks for taking but, that bullet. Yeah,
0: just just as a thought experiment. <laughs> All right, last up. Would you rather eat at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza? Or at Steaks and Cakes, which is, of course, our beloved sponsor and the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle, the movie.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I do love to play skee-ball. And I do love, in theory, like pizza and like dinner in a show and playing some old arcade video games. But uh, I'm lactose intolerant now and I really shouldn't be having pizza And at the same time, like, I really, why have one slice of a birthday cake at Freddy Fazbear's at a birthday party when you can have an entire cake brought to you on a platter? So I'm going to go with Steaks and Cakes.
1: It was Steaks and Cakes hands down for me. If only because Freddy Fazbear's, I think, is very unsanitary with all the corpses that are apparently in those costumes. But Skee-Ball did kind of twitch me back in that direction. But that said, I'm going to go with Steaks and Cakes.
0: Yes, of course. Freddy's is disgusting and I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) And And Steaks and Cakes is our beloved sponsor. Of course I'm going to eat there. Of course I'm going to... Just give me that cake. (laughs) Uh, Good game. Good game, everyone. (laughs) All right, now it's time for Reader's Advisory where we suggest some things to read or um, play (laughs) in addition to or instead of... Five Nights at Freddy's The Silver Eyes, which again I think we are all shocked to say you should read it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> horror,
1: <laughs> why not? It's a quick read and you'll probably enjoy it.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: uh, and unless, unless you're if reading. you are a, a coward, do not read it. <laughs> yeah.
2: If you're into horror, definitely try it. Um the audiobook is on hoopla currently, so you know, give it a whirl. Tis the season. Does the audiobook
0: have like scary sound effects?
2: Not really. I mean, it has like some creepy music at the beginning and the end, but it's not like a radio play version or anything. (sighs) That's good.
0: I get scared reading about the sound effects in the
2: game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I am going to say I'm going to put a bunch of books and movies just because it is the Halloween season and you might be looking for wrecks for scary things. Uh, so there's going to I'm going to put together a big list for the website of movies and books. Um, but a couple that I'll mention. Well, first off, not a movie or a book. Uh, there's an episode of Gravity Falls called Seuss and the Real Girl, where uh, Seuss, who is the handyman at the mystery shack, the tourist trap where everyone works at Gravity Falls and where the kids are staying for the summer, um, wants to get out and try and get a date and he accidentally falls in love with a dating sim game that then goes on to take over the animatronic creatures at a Chuck E. Cheese showbiz pizza sort of place.
0: I, might, I don't recommend that you do anything scary because life is already so scary. Why would you do more of it? <laughs> um, but I, I will recommend, like, what did appeal to me most about this book was the idea of this, like, hidden freddy's and like sneaking into a place like i like all of that just not the murder robots part so just a perennial recommendation for me is from the mixed up files of mrs basilia e. frankweiler uh, a, a classic if you haven't read it just uh, why sneak into freddy's when you could live in the museum and um, that's way better <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's all i got <laughs> i need to i need to recover
1: so if you are interested in more freddies but you don't like the immediacy of playing a horror game which i don't i do recommend dipping your toe into the multitude of let's plays on youtube which is a great way to experience the game and uh, the jump scares do become more predictable after a while and you get to watch somebody else suffer through them which is really helpful um, Book-wise, if you're looking for something good for the Halloween season, that's also among the uh, walking into a terrifying place genre of horror. I just read on Kate's recommendation, Daughters of Devils by Amy Lukovics, which was excellent. And It's so
2: good. It's so, it's so good. good.
1: Uh, and it's about a family going to uh, this abandoned homestead on the prairie the main character is uh, pregnant and she has not told anybody in her family except uh, the sister she's closest with who's inadvertently found out. Um, So they come into it with all this tension plus uh, the main character's um, idea that last winter during some kind of episode she was damned to hell by the devil himself. uh, And they find this prairie homestead uh, is covered in blood there's all sorts of cursed omens and unusual dreams it's just I love horror and I have not read a good YA horror in some time I've read a lot of good YA thrillers and a lot of YA thrillers misclassified as horror so I was just so delighted to finally dip into this and thank you Kate for that wonderful recommendation
2: it's so good it's so good guys So a couple other um, YA thrillers of the um, teen slasher variety. Uh, The Dead House by uh, Don Kurtigich, I guess it's pronounced. Uh, I read that last year, too, around the same time I read Daughters into Devils. And it's uh, it's very different. It's a uh, kind of epistolary mixed media sort of book uh, that worked really well as an audiobook about a bunch of mysterious deaths at a boarding school. Um, There's Someone Inside Your House by Stephanie Perkins is a straight up homage to the teen slasher movies of, uh, you know, basically everyone's youth since the 70s. So good. And um, some, if you are in the mood for a movie, some of my favorite teen slasher movies are uh, the original Halloween, which is brilliant. And it is not whatever you are thinking it is it is probably way different because it is one of the, the first ever kind of teen slasher movies and sort of set the stage for what would come after and it's great and uh, Scream of course which is uh, kind of a parody slash pastiche slash homage to all of the uh, teen slasher horror movies and is still fucking brilliant and wonderful to this day. So good. And then not a teen slasher movie, but that same sort of like trapped inside a place when weird shit is happening. Uh, I watched The Autopsy of Jane Doe last year and it was very good and very creepy and very weird.
1: I'm not familiar with that one. Note it. We
2: might watch it for Halloween. <gasps> I'm
1: so excited. Yes.
2: So yeah, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i have more that I'm going to put in and they'll be up on the website, but tis the season, indulge in some horror, it'll be great. If, if you're into that
1: kind of thing. Unless you're Renata, <laughs> in which case don't, it's okay. <laughs> if, you, if you're
0: into that kind of thing, go to worstbestsellers.com and uh, this whole list and plus all of Kate's other favorites will be there. <laughs> I'm not into that kind of thing, but you know what I am into? is candy (laughs) the the only good
2: part of Halloween in my opinion
0: uh so what do what's everyone's candy pairing for this book
2: um so my candy pairing is a fruit flavored tootsie roll the kind that you can get with like one ticket at Chuck E. Cheese um not super into regular tootsie rolls but I like the fruit flavored ones and Too many of them is not really good for my teeth or my stomach or my health, but I love to indulge in a good, like, orange or raspberry or vanilla Tootsie Roll every once in a while.
1: Vanilla ones are the business. The vanilla ones are excellent, and, like, that's one skee-ball game. (laughs) Uh, My candy pairing is Pop Rocks, but they Mm. go off at unpredictable times and when your back is turned for maximum jump scares.
0: Eek. Uh, my candy pairing is, is a cupcake from the birthday party of a child I dislike. Uh, like, th- the cake's fine. I don't like the circumstances
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> of the cake. <laughs> All right, now it's time for our favorite game, The Rock Paper Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Becky will choose which most improves the book, or she can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is.
2: All right. Um, So if The Rock were in this book, he would have been another police officer in town, um, and when Officer Dunn never comes back from going to investigate Freddy Fazbear's after Carlton's father sends him there the next morning, uh, The Rock would become concerned and decide to bring some additional officers with him to go see what's going on. Uh, and when he saw the empty cruiser in the parking lot, he would break into the building and... And probably would have saved the kids some angst and a few near-death experiences, even if he was too late to save Officer Dunn.
0: Uh Wolverine were in this book, he would get wind of shenanigans at the abandoned mall, because that abandoned malls are prime X-Men hangouts, to be honest. <laughs> and he he would hear about this and just go just fucking stab Dave and set the whole mall on fire after making sure all the kids were out of it. And then uh, he and all the traumatized children would just stand in the parking lot and drink shots of whiskey while they watched them all burn down.
1: Uh, you've given me an impossible choice here. Um, so Kate's, of course, has The Rock and Due Process. Those are two of my favorite things. Uh, mm-hmm, but I think mm-hmm. I've got to give this one to Wolverine.
0: All right. Well, it is it is truly the game where everyone wins because we just all get to spend a little bit of time thinking about The Rock, which is, is great. It's true. Do. All
2: right, what do you guys think of the moral of the story was? Uh, my moral of the story is that when large animatronic creatures start behaving strangely, run first and ask questions and do some detective
1: work later. Truly the ultimate moral. Uh, mine is Sometimes All the Teens Live to See the Sequel.
2: That's good. Good
0: one. My moral is don't judge a book by its cover and or video game tie-in status. Also Truth. very wise. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm as surprised as anyone. <laughs> Does this mean the Minecraft books are good too, do you think? Oh. Maybe next year we can find <laughs> out. <laughs> Um, okay, now it's time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte gives his opinions about the book. Yeah, I mean, Duarte, you're, you're kind of right that maybe they should have had a cat animatronic, but also, I don't know, I, I wouldn't like that. I think it's better, you know, what animatronic could really compete with just the greatness of a real living cat?
2: And, you know, Charlie says that her dad had a lot more creatures, like, in his workshop that never uh, ended up in the restaurant. So it's possible that there was a cat animatronic at one point, and maybe we'll meet it in the sequels. Oh, I hope not.
1: (laughs) Read books two and three for the cat animatronic.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, Dora, I'll, I'll download them for you. Just give me a minute. All right. Georgia, thanks as ever for your opinions. Uh, do any humans have any closing thoughts?
2: I really liked this. I know I've already said that several times, but, uh, I found myself enjoying it as I was listening to it. Um, getting like very tense. Like I normally I'll listen to a book on my commute and I'll come home and I'll turn it off once I get inside. Um, But this one, like, I, because I'm usually home for, like, an hour or so on my own before Becca gets home. uh, But this one I left on, and I would just, like, listen to it walking around the house doing my chores until Becca got home.
1: Yeah, thank you, this book, for making my flight extremely quick and and painless, which flights rarely ever are. And I actually am looking forward to seeing what happens next who knew who knew uh
0: my my closing thoughts are i don't like to be scared (laughs) (laughs) and i i I feel like that's just a fundamental difference that i have with some other people and i will never understand
1: (laughs) it's okay we accept you uh
0: thank you for that (laughs) All right. Um if you would like some more of our whole worst bestsellers deal and you are on social media, you can like us on Facebook, we're facebook.com slash worst bestsellers. Um we're also on Twitter at worst bestseller with no s because the S was over at the other Freddy's, but uh, it murdered a child and so they had to take it out of the animatronic lineup. It's <laughs> rough, honestly. Uh, We also have a Goodreads group that you can most easily access by clicking the link at our main website, worstbestsellers.com.
2: You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Play. If you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review us. When you rate and review us, it pushes us up a little bit on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. If you don't review us, uh, we're going to probably have to send an animatronic creature that is haunted by the ghost of a dead child to oh your boy. house to kind of menace you into doing it. And it just probably we should just skip that if we can. Nobody wants that. Um, we can also you can also pledge some to donate some money to us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash worst bestsellers. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with Patreon, you pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like pay for our web hosting and pay our editor and uh, commission all sorts of cool merch. Speaking of which, we also have a merch store available on Redbubble that you can get to by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on store. And we have got all sorts of stuff with our logo on it, with the Rock Paper Snicked logo on it, and uh, all kinds of other podcast inside jokes that you can wear on your body.
0: And just a quick reminder, if you are one of our lovely Patreon patrons, you have access to that secret patrons-only store where you can buy stuff for cheaper prices than normal people can. So don't forget. And if you did forget, uh, you can log into Patreon and find that link. Yes. Alright. Uh if you want just more of my personal deal, like just me being scared of grapes all the time, <laughs> you can follow me. You know what? Not all the time. I'm fine with them when they've got their skins on. <laughs> <laughs> and so's is Duarte. Um anyway, Dorothy and I are both on Twitter at Renata Snacks.
2: You should follow us there. Um, I'm on social media at 14 across on basically all social media platforms. Uh, I know I previously said that I would be back on Twitter in October to do 31 days of hor- 31 horror films, 31 days. Um, but in case you didn't notice, the world is on fire still, so I have not done that. Um, but you can find me on Instagram at 14 across, where I will be completing the 31 horror films, 31 days challenge.
1: And you can find me on Twitter at Café Cliché, without any spaces or underscores, and pretty much across most social media at Café Cliché. And if you would like to listen to The Bridge Podcast, you can find out how to listen at thebridgepod.com.
0: Yeah, and you should. Thanks. You should do that. Definitely. <sighs> All right. Um, well, Becky, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And... uh We, as a podcast, will be back in two weeks with Red Rising by Pierce Brown. Which is
2: terrible.
0: Yeah, I gotta tell you, like, after I read The Silver Rise, I was like, ooh like are my standards just broken now do i just can i not think anything is bad like what happened to me and then i got like two pages into red rising i was like oh no i still i still have that capacity to dislike things don't worry
2: (laughs) so if you were like oh like listening to them love a book is garbage uh just wait until next time because we hate this book
0: like in my notes I think I've used the word puke like 20 times already. <laughs> <laughs> or a puking emoji. <laughs> so, get ready for that, I guess. <laughs> uh thanks, thanks for listening. Happy Halloween. Yay, spooky. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye.
1: Bye. bye.